This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm one of your hosts, Jackie. I'm joined by my excited host today, Rahul, and welcome back to the podcast. Rahul, I know you're excited. I'm excited. We had a lovely weekend watching Chelsea. Good experience up in the press box. Got to meet a lot of lovely fans. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. It's been a long time. It's been all of what, 24 hours since I've seen you? It feels like a long time, right <laughs> after all of the whirlwind tour that we went on. I think we, I met you on a Friday night. We drove out from your home base in New Jersey out to Philadelphia. We met Ben Jacobs, which we've been dying to do for a long time, and that was great. Uh, met Scott, another friend that we've been trying to meet up with for a little while, and that was amazing. So lots of firsts, but maybe we want to talk about Chelsea and talk a little bit more about Brighton, who we ended up playing, and dare I say, a deserved win in this case? Sure, or the Caicedo Derby, or the Cucurea Derby, or the Graham Potter Derby. There's just a lot of history between these two clubs in the last, really last year, but uh, everything was enhanced by the comments from Deserby. I see you said deserved. Uh, <laughs> Deserby leading up to this game, uh, specifically around uh, Caicedo, Levi Colwell, and so fans online, maybe certain groups of fans going to the game, uh, were feeling a little bit edgy. We're feeling that this is more than just a preseason friendly. Um, and I mean, if you look at it, there was a red card, so uh, mm. maybe they weren't wrong. But overall, it was the first game of the PL Summer Series. We yep. do have to highlight that. And very well organized, very well put. About 67, 65,000 odd fans, uh, which is excellent to see with the growth of the game. Yep. Rebecca Lowe was there. Oh, yeah. Robbie Earl, Tim Howard. So the, the folks that we see regularly on, on TV were there, but also the, the broadcasting team from the UK was here. So mm-hmm. overall, it was just you could see the investment that the Premier League is putting into uh, the sport here in the US and growing the league itself. So Overall, a great day. Uh, you mentioned Ben Jacobs, Scott, but even some of the other fans that we met or friends that we met yeah, friends. Um, was great. So, it, I mean, for, look, for you and I, we've been doing this a little under three years now. Um, and just to be part of these moments and part of uh, the press box, like you mentioned, and being next to someone like a Ben Jacobs or being next to uh, someone like a Neil Spy Barnett, who was, who was there too, but also connecting with some of the local uh, news outlets or news uh, personnel it was just great. I mean, we, this is why we do it, right? We love the game. We love the sport. We love the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also love connecting with other people and sharing our love for Chelsea and hearing why they were there uh, and and growing. So uh, maybe I went a little bit off topic. Maybe I got a little emotional. I, do, I don't have a tear in my eye just yet. But uh, just my thoughts on the day it was a great day and sharing it with you for, for the fact that you and I have been supporting and, and talking about Chelsea outside of this podcast for, I want to say, over 20 years at this point. It was just a great moment. Listen, I'm so honored that I got to share the day with you as well, my friend. It's the second time we've gone behind scenes and got to experience Chelsea. And I think I just want to echo a few things you said, but maybe elaborate on 
meeting people and making friends and getting there and kind of experiencing the moment for what it was. But I think you covered that very beautifully. I think what I want to talk about was the 65, 65,000 fans that were in there. And Rahul, I think most of them for the for the most part were Chelsea fans, but you and I had the privilege to get there a little bit early, kind of sit in the, I don't know if it's the bar or the restaurant next to the stadium. And there was a huge contingency of Brighton fans. And I think that for me was impressive because Chelsea is a global team. They've been winning trophies for the last 20 odd years. And you you think with that, that kind of grows what Chelsea's you know mark is on football. And definitely you expect a lot of fans. But with full respect to Brighton, they haven't been necessarily up there in recent times until most recently with the Zerbi last season. And they had a decent following. I think I was a little intimidated in that bar when we were sitting down. I was like, we've come to the wrong place. If we wore a Chelsea jersey, we might get booted out of here. But listen, everybody was fun. We saw a couple of crazy people with Leeds jerseys. I was like, what are you doing here? Saw a couple of Tottenham jerseys. I was like, really? What are you doing here? But it comes down to the fact that we don't get to watch live Premier League matches here in the United States very often. And so I think even us as Chelsea fans, if a Man United and Arsenal or Liverpool is coming to town, we pull on our jersey, go for the banter, but we get to watch Premier League level football, which in itself is exciting for us. And so it definitely lived up to the hype, but I'll pause here and we'll transition from the pregame festivities maybe to the Brighton game. Do you want to talk about the elephant in the room, and I think we got a lovely starting sheet lineup in the press box. We made some notes. We looked at the Chelsea lineup, looked good, but then we looked at the Brighton lineup and no Caicedo. He was hiding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, From what we were told, uh, you know, from chatting chatting around and uh, asking some questions, he's just not ready. He's just returned... Uh, he's not ready to to feature, but I have a feeling that he will feature in the next game. So uh, make of that what you will. But I'm sure, is it Chelsea saying don't play him or is it Brighton not wanting to play him and, and have Chelsea real hand scout him uh, for his abilities? We'll never know. I mean, this is just, it's a saga that's kind of dragged on a lot longer than Chelsea would certainly like. Uh, and... Of course, we've we've mentioned this. It's a it's a negotiating tactic from the other side, which is let's just drag this on as long as possible. And and the closer we get to the end, and Ben Jacobs has said this many a times on this podcast, the closer we get to the end of the window, teams kind of get desperate. Teams say, okay, you know what? We'll pay the valuation, or we'll work a deal out that will pay the valuation. So, um, I think it's a little bit of everything. And the fact that he wasn't on the pitch, I believe he was at the stadium. Uh, tells you everything that needs to be known about the fact that this deal will most likely end up happening. It's just going to to take some time. Listen, for a hundred odd million, I wonder if we need to set our sights in some other players, but that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> Let me run through the starting 11 that Mauricio Pochettino put out. It was Kepa in goal, Malagusto at right back, Thiago Silva and Levi Colwell in the middle, Ben Chilwell at left back. He had a pivot of Andre Santos and Conor Gallagher, a three behind the striker of Raheem Sterling, Connie Chukomeka, Ian Matson on left wing. I say his name because we'll talk a little bit about him later. And Christopher Nkunku as the number nine. Rahul, a 4-2-3-1, I think it seems to be the preferred formation for Mauricio Pochettino at this point in time. What did you make of the formation? What did you make of some of the players that were there? And we'll transition into Ian Matson in a minute to so hold off on him for just a second. I liked it. I I thought it was 
a little more experience given the fact that we'd seen a lot of youngsters in that Wrexham game. And it was really expected because no disrespect to Wrexham, I think Mauricio Pochettino used that as an opportunity to give some of his stars or or more experienced players a little bit more time to get back from Priest, yep. to get back from the, the summer vacation and, and continue training in the background. But you look at it, Kepa comes back in goal, Thiago Silva starts, Levi Colville, who was we were told would not be starting uh, or at least featuring from, from the beginning, was in there and played a big chunk of the game. Uh, Andre Santos continues, Raheem Sterling comes in, and Nkunku as a number nine, which was an interesting uh, option because we did see how great Nicholas Jackson was in that Wrexham game, and we'll touch on him in this game as well. But overall, I think it was a good rotation he maintained mm-hmm. some of the, the pieces that needed to be maintained in the time in the likes of malo gusto uh ian matson who you spoke about and and i really was happy to see ben Chowell back in there and i know yeah. we'll do almost do like a special feature on, <laughs> on that left hand side but overall a good lineup uh and something that i think as we get closer to the end of this preseason and closer to the start of the season we'll start seeing those names that we're most likely going to be seeing in that starting 11. Yeah, more so the starting 11 starting to take shape as we look at the deeper we go into preseason. But a fun story that I'd like to share, Rahul, is we have kind of shared our love for Chelsea for 20 years. We've also shared our love for FIFA. We've liked to play each other and have a little banter here and there when one person scores a couple extra goals over the other. But few months ago, we played a 4-2-3-1. I was playing with Chelsea, and I think you asked me, with the players we have, why don't we play a 4-2-3-1? And I, and I looked at you and I said, we should play a 4-2-3-1 with the players we have, right? And, and let me just say this. I'm not a tactical genius. I'm not gone to coaching school. But based on who we have, how Chelsea like to play, it seemed to make sense. We had a lot of center backs, so I think that's why we were leaning towards the three. But it's nice to see this come to fruition, and I think it kind of balances Chelsea to be a little more attacking. And as we kind of walk into the game, yeah, we have some holes that we need to figure out how to plug so we don't concede many goals. But football was flowing. I like to see it in that first half. But you want to transition and talk about that left wing where I think maybe most of the attacks, if not all the attacks, were coming down in that first half. And I think it was the Chile and Matson bossing up that left wing, right? Yeah, they were standout players in, in that first half, especially because... It's not just the fact that they were attacking. It was kind of the understanding that they had that Chile, especially, if I'm going to go as the left back, Matson is going to fall fall down or, or stay a little more tucked in to allow Chile that space uh, to, to overlap and provide that outlet. And you can see how much Chilwell enjoys that part of the game. He, he's, he's a good defender. He enjoys that part, too. But every opportunity we were looking down from the press box and every opportunity that he had he was just like i'm i'm off i'm going um and that so shows you the work that pochettino has done in in the in the two and a half almost three weeks that he's been here is to to have these winger of wingers in the sense of matson and, and raheem sterling tuck in but also have the fullbacks go and say you know what we'll provide the width and that was the strength we had under tuchel when we had reese james and ben will at their strongest of course a little bit further forward but that's their strength, and, and you have to use it. You can't deny them from going forward because they will score a goal. They will make things happen. And so, no, I, I was totally impressed with Chowell, not that I never am. Uh, but Matson is another one that you can see the, the going out on loan and, and working with 
Burnley mm. and working with company and just learning the position and in this case a little bit higher but just learning that being on that left uh wing or left flank whatever you want to call it he's he's matured he's turned into a player that we've said you know what we're gonna take you on this preseason we could have easily said you're out on loan in the first couple of weeks of july but we're gonna take you to, to america we're gonna have you start we're gonna have you start two games in a row uh because we trust you and we like what we see and it's a great credit to him, but it's also great credit to to Pochettino because now he has a severe headache in terms of identifying who his two left backs are, or or who ends up staying and who ends up playing. Uh, because Matson can say sure, but you're now really competing with Chilwell, Kukurea, mm-hmm. and uh, you know being being in Matson's position. So I, I give both of them credit; they looked really good, really exciting, but. So again, it's preseason. Don't want to get too far ahead of myself, uh, but I'm really excited by what I've seen on that left-hand side. Yeah, and I think you always wonder, Rahul, about the step up, right? And you covered it well with Wrexham. You almost expect Chelsea to win, and we won handsomely towards the end of that game. And yet Madsen, of course, scores two, and we're saying it's amazing, but let's keep our feet on the ground. It's a lower division team. We should be doing this. He should be doing this. So it's credit to him to start against Brighton, who... Let's be honest, they play some beautiful, free-flowing, attacking football and are definitely not the next step up, but quite a few steps up. And so to see Matson in that team and perform the way he did in that first half, I think it gives me hope for not just having him compete with Chilwell and Kukurea, but if Chelsea are light in the attacking options, it looks like he can come in and do a really good job because he does have the awareness, the understanding it was almost like him and Chilwell had played together a whole season, Rahul. At some point, like you said, Ian Matson's tucking in, and I said, is he our number 10 today? Because he's coming right down to the middle. But the one-two flicks with, with Chilwell are just working. And, and what more can I say about Chilwell, Rahul? We've given him grief, and a lot of Chelsea fans have, about injuries, right? But when this man is fit and he's playing, the lung-busting runs that he makes, I think it's it's incredible because a lot of fans in Philly, and I think this was probably the negative that I saw in the game, was a little bit of booing for the water break. And to be fair, it is humid and warmer than what they typically are used to. It is earlier on in the preseason where maybe they're not at the fitness level that they need to be. But if you tell me Ben Chilwell is not fit, I would look you and say something's wrong with you because the way he was running up and down that sideline and the way he was defending and coming back, I think most of the time you were looking at saying, Chilwell, he doesn't stop. He just keeps going. He just keeps going. And he's trying to impress Rahul. He wants to say, I'm the number one. I know there's competition from Ian Matson, the young one that wants to come take my spot. Kukurea, maybe he's trying to come in and redo himself this season. But if Chilwell is fit, I find it so hard that any other manager is going to drop him at this point in the season. And that's what you get from Chilwell. It's unfortunate that he had that injury with his knee. He lost a significant portion of that season. Even last season, when he was available, we could see that he makes a difference but again i believe he was hampered by injury even last season so it almost is an opportunity for him to get fit get match fitness and hopefully stay fit because it isn't one of those injuries that can bother you or can cause other issues uh amongst your not just your knee but just in your leg and the muscle area so it's something that has to be managed and that's where you want the likes of a Kukurea or a Matson to to be able to come in and do the job but Showell has to be the 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 starting left back for me 
and we'll see how the preseason progresses if Ian Matson has more to say about it if he ever gets to play at left back but Rahul before we transition into another topic I just want to say tactically I'm seeing a lot of progress from Chelsea I think Ash Chilwell and Matson played very high up in that first half you would almost see Malagusto tuck in on the other side and make it like a back three so very flexible very aware when Malo sees Chilwell bombing up. He knows he has to stay back to help cover. I saw Andre Santos come back. Some of the names I'm mentioning here will help me transition into what I want to talk about, Rahul, which is the young guns. So we've already spent a few minutes with Ian Matson. I mentioned Malagusto. I want to talk about Andre Santos, Connie Chukomeka. Nkunku is probably the oldest of the young guns, but he's 25 as well. So let's start with Malagusto. How did you feel about his performance? I know that We've talked about filling some big boots with Reese James potentially being the best right back in the Premier League, the best right back in the world. He does have his injury problems, so Malo is here to potentially play a lot when Reese is out and not fit. Well, hopefully Reese doesn't have those issues next yeah. season. But no, you're right. We we've called for a backup to Reese, and it's kind of disrespectful for me to call Malo that but ultimately it is Reese's position and it's something that Malo will have to accept and fight for uh but from what I've seen he's looked good he's looked solid he went up against Mitotoma in this game I just want to make sure I get that right uh who was on fire last season he was a, a, a winger that was scoring that was taking on players that was making things happen and again I I realize this is preseason but Sometimes players do tend to be a little more loose in preseason in the sense that they're not trying to to work extremely hard in terms of the tactics. Yes, they're, they're trying to get fit, uh, but they're trying to maybe even, it's friendly, so they're maybe trying to showboat or, or get the crowd's reaction. Um, and not that Mitutoma did that, but Mala was con- continuously on him. And even yeah. when he would get beat, he would continue to track him and, and get mm-hmm. back into it and put, put in the tackle so that he knew, Mitotoma knew, that Malo's never going to go away. Like, if you beat him, that doesn't mean he's handing you off to his center back. He's he's <laughs> going to stay there. Uh, and that's what we want to see because it's a tough position to compete against and t- against the Reese James. But when you do all the right things and you just wait for your opportunity, that opportunity will come. Even, even in a season when we don't have European football, that opportunity will come. And it allows us to count on him and not just mm-hmm. say, well, he's 20. He needs time. He needs to adjust. We can count on him and say, you know what? Maybe you won't be playing against Manchester United, Man City, Liverpool. But you could be playing against teams that we're expected to win against. And we could give Reese that break. So... He needs to continue. It's it's a good start, but he needs to build off of that and, and wait for his opportunities. And when they come, he has to take them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I saw that he's pretty well balanced as well, Rahul. He's not maybe bombing as much as Ben Chilwell, but when he does get the odd opportunity, he does have some pace to get up and down the pitch. He does have a decent cross in him as well. But defensively, I was very impressed. I think that's the biggest thing that you said. Mitutoma is a skillful, quick, smart player. And I think Gusto was up for the challenge and at the young age of 20. And again, we say this from an analytic standpoint, right? We don't want to say this is the most competitive fixture. Of course, it's preseason. Of course, there's going to be another level. But like I've said, I think the progress is going in the right direction of these young guns and how they're playing. So transitioning into the middle of the park with Santos and Carney Chukomeka. There's a lot being made about we have quite a few young guns. Maybe not all of them are ready. Some may have to go on loan. So between Andre Santos and Chukomeka, share your thoughts. Are they staying for the season at this point in time? Or do you think some of them are going out on loan? 
I would really like Andre Santos to stay from what we saw in the Rexon game, but also in person in this game in Philadelphia. He was very well aware of his position. He was very well aware of when to ask for the ball, when to release it, when to maybe even just be that outlet that says, give me the ball, I'll give it right back to you. But I want it. I want this ball. I want to call for it and let you know I'm here. So that this is when you kind of build those relationships. And it's to say, it's not to say that he's trying to hog the ball, but he's just Mm -hmm. saying, hey, Tiago, give me the ball. I'll give it back to you. But when we get six months down the line, you will know that if I am playing, I'm in that position and you don't have to think about it twice because we kind of are building this chemistry. And there were certain moments where he was in a tight spot and he would say, give me the ball, I'll drop a shoulder, I'll fake it, or I'll do something and get out of this position and all of a sudden open up the space for the attackers. So um, I was really impressed with him. And then there were moments where if the center backs were pushing up or trying to close an attacker down and they were getting beat, Andre Santos was there as the cover that we we've for so long called the Makaleli role, and again <laughs> it's it's two games and it's preseason, but I'm almost heaping uh, a big amount of praise on him and calling him uh, in that position to be that guy. But I remember in t- at times I would see him in the box when we were defending, and he was tracking back, trying to put in a tackle or just be a nuisance that uh, Brighton had to kind of over. He seems like a good guy. He seems like a person that um, wants to work hard. And that's what we need. We need someone that's willing to do the dirty work so that the others around him can do the fancy stuff. Yeah. And when you hear signing a teenager, Malo, you know, sorry, in this case, Andre Santos for 15, 20 million that Chelsea paid, 19 years old, he had a good World Cup, under 21 World Cup, and you wonder. Where is he going to fit into the mix? Is he going to go on loan? I think your analysis is spot on, Rahul. I think we had called for a while for Jorginho to be maybe the pacemaker or the regista, as he's lovingly called in Italy, right? And I think one thing that I saw with Santos is he's taken on that pacemaker or regista-style role, but he is also forward-looking, which is very important. I think you highlighted that he'll take the ball from Silva and give it back. But on many occasions, Rahul, he will take the ball, but he will find a turn. And whether that's a turn to Gallagher to help it progress or a turn to Sterling to move it forward or looking at Carney and just a one-two at Carney and letting Carney bust forward and and kind of make a run, I think these are the things that are going to make him a very good midfielder. Ultimately, I think he's not going to be a, a Makalele-type player because I think he has a lot more to offer with final ball and maybe that penetrating ball that goes into the final third to make a chance. I think that's important to note, but he's impressed me. I agree with you. If he gets a chance to stay, if Chelsea are looking to develop, I know we have Premier League this season, but you definitely want to see him get a few minutes here and there. You definitely want to see him play in cups, but I don't want to stunt this growth. I think there's definitely a player here that has a lot of potential. So I would love for him to stay, but if he's not going to get the minutes and Pochettino knows that there's a player here, definitely allow him to go on loan and kind of produce this talent and kind of grow from there. But let's transition. At this to- point, we, we don't have that many options. In midfield, I was going to say. So. <laughs> <laughs> let's transition to Carney. You didn't give me a word on Carney there because I think you were trying to avoid the question altogether. I, I wasn't trying to avoid it. I was just trying to stay positive. And not that Carney was negative, but for everything that we've said about Andre Santos and, and being quick and, and releasing mm. the ball, Carney was at certain points holding on to it for too long. Mm. 
and you know Brighton shut you down. Yes, it's preseason, but Brighton are very good at closing you down and, and uh, doing the press. So he was getting caught in position possession. And in certain cases, it was when we were trying to get out of, of uh, a press and we would give it to him and he would take two, three. And by then it's too late because Brighton are on you and in most cases win the ball off of you. So I was a little disappointed. I, I almost wonder if it's tough for him because he's come in a year ago been in and out of the team he's now he's still young right but you look around and you're like there's so many more youngsters around me that i'm almost like the the senior guy not that he is that guy but it's just it just wasn't what i expected and when i look around and i see we have options of playing Nkunku in that role, or we have options of of playing Cesar Cassidy in that role, or Angelo, or whoever you want to put in that role that maybe could do the job. Carney has to step it up. That's that's all I have to say. Yeah, I think that there are still a few things specifically around decision making that are important and he needs to come back and spend some time figuring out there. I'm not gonna knock him down yet, but if you push me today and say of the few young boys that need to go out on loan he potentially would be up on that list but again Rahul we have to be careful we don't have a lot of players in that number 10 or attacking position so if it doesn't work out as a loan maybe he's definitely not one of those that's playing every single game but he's kind of that last 10-15 minutes to rest an Nkunku or rest a Jackson depending on how this goes so um, good analysis there I've been holding off on the last young gun you mentioned a little bit about him Levi Colwell at the end of the game as well Mauricio Pochettino says he could be one of the best centre-backs England has ever seen. I'm rephrasing a little bit, but what do you make of his performance and what do you think he's going to do this season? Is he going to be first choice or is he going to struggle for minutes fighting alongside Badia Shiel and Choloba for, for a game time? He has the opportunity here with, with other things that have transpired around him to be that guy that ends up being next to Thiago Silva. And that wasn't the case two, three weeks ago at this point when we were looking around and saying we have five center backs. Thiago Silva is definitely one of them that will be starting. And Fofana, just based on his history and the fact that he has played with Thiago Silva, is going to be the other guy. So that left Levi Cole on the outside looking in. Now, with what's transpired, unfortunate events with with Fofana and Badishila is still not fully back yet and missing this preseason tour, Levi has an opportunity to to solidify that second spot next to Thiago Silva. And I don't think he hurt his case or chances by, by in this game. He was good. He looked, in certain cases, like the center back that we know he can be, and in certain cases, maybe not. But again, it's preseason. It was his first start. It was his first few minutes in that position. And he was coming up against a team that he is played a whole season with so they do know some of his weaknesses and some of his strengths and and how to work around them so um i think he was good i don't think he he was bad and i know we can say maybe in the second half he has a moment where uh that could go against him but you'd rather make those mistakes now than than later on the season so i'm impressed with him i look forward to seeing more of him I'm sure Pochettino, as his manager, does have to say some of these things. Sure. Uh, but it's great to see that we have talent coming through our academy that we're we're retaining. And we just need to continue to give them the opportunities. And in this case, he will get them. He just has to perform. 
uh, because I know even kind of looking back at the Brighton season, there were moments where they couldn't play him two games in a row or he just wasn't there fitness wise. So uh, it's a step up. Deserby may tell me that's not true because they're in Europe and we're not, but it is a step up and you have to be ready to take that step up because you know, we've seen tons of youngsters go on loan, come yeah. back, and and still not make it. So um, I wish him well. He still has, was it, three more games here in preseason. I hope he can build upon this Brighton game and, and continue to show Pacino what he can do because we, we need him this season. Great analysis, Rahul. And I think I'm just going to add a couple of words because you've done a good job here. I think that watching him play live shows me all of the positive that people rave about, that there is a fantastic center back in there. He's tall, he's big, he's strong, he's fast, he can put in a really good pass. All of those things excite me. I think where I found a couple of weaknesses is maybe he's very, very left-footed. I think you and I identified a few times when they came time for a clearance, maybe a center back who's been there for a few years would have kick that out with their right foot, but you can see Levi is very comfortable with his left foot. I could be wrong. It could be just the moment got to him. It is Brighton. He spent a lot of time with them. There could be some psychological things, but I can see he's going to progress. And I have to remember, I think he's only 19 or 20 years old. So if this is the player that we're seeing flashes of, and he can kind of build on this and learn from Thiago Silva, I can agree with a few people that there is a generational talent there, as long as we see the development from here. There will be mistakes, and I think as Chelsea fans, we have to be patient with him. And you talked about or alluded to a mistake that happened in the second half, but patience is important. We need to build some of these players and not go out and spend 40, 50 million on a center back that we sell in a year's time and say, yep, that experiment didn't work. It's not worth it for us. So this is definitely a situation to look at, and hopefully he can come good, especially with the situation that we've been given, unfortunately, at this point in time. Rahul, let's take a quick break here for a word from our sponsors, and we will be right back. The Premier Chelsea has partnered with Fubo TV. Fubo TV is your home for live sports and TV without a cable in the US and Canada. You can watch on all your devices, which means you don't have to miss any of the actions or goals that Chelsea score in the Premier League and Champions League. You heard that right. Fubo TV Networks broadcast Premier League, Champions League, and many other leagues and tournaments. So what are you waiting for? Start your free trial today at FuboTV.com forward slash TPC. All right, Rahul, we talked a lot about tactics. We talked a lot about players. We had a good time, you and I, watching the game from the press box. We didn't really cover some of the key moments in the game which I think we should spend a couple of minutes, not necessarily breaking down everything that happened, but you and I were excited. We know Brighton's a tough team. Danny Welbeck finds a way to open the scoring. He always finds a way to damper our happiness, I guess, <laughs> as a Brighton player. Uh, what did you make of his opening goal? I felt like it was a good movement, and maybe Chelsea got caught out in that one. We did. We certainly did. And I forget who lost that header on the far post, which was knocked back into into the middle for Danny Welbeck to basically just tap it in. But yeah, it was Brighton were the better team. I want to say when we started mm-hmm. off and, and the game was open. Very so open, it yeah. wasn't to say that it wasn't coming, but it just seemed like we let it happen a little too easily. And I'm sure Pochettino will, will address that and, and prevent that from happening again. But you have to give Brighton credit because mm-hmm. they're a team that even in preseason, we're doing all the things that you expect of them. Not to say that teams wouldn't do that, but it just it takes a little bit to get get back into it, and and it didn't seem like it's going to take them that much. So, 
Um, they started off well. And, and what really impressed me was that we came back from it. We didn't just kind of, what we've seen last season is we go <laughs> down 1 0 and it's tough. And again, I know it's preseason. During the season, things are a little bit different, but we came back into it. We didn't say, we didn't shy away from the challenge. And that was the, the positive for me, at least in that first half when we come back and in, in, in Kunku scores. But I'm not going to steal that away from, from what you want to transition to. So, yeah, Danny Welbeck scores. I, I hate seeing that name come up every time we play, but <laughs> you got to give him credit. He's, he's a good player, and he knows where the net is, which is the most important thing. And he's been doing it consistently for several years with different teams. Unfortunately, he's been one also that's been hampered by injuries. But listen, a good goal scorer in there and called upon by Deserbi this time, and he does the job. I like that you transition into Nkunku, and I like that you mentioned the comeback or the fight back. Because, Rahul, you are right. This time last year, you and I were watching preseason. We were drawing 1-1 to a Charlotte FC, which, again, I want to say that with a lot of respect. But it was a 16-year-old that came on and won a penalty. Chelsea would not be beat that game, could not find fight. We go on to play Arsenal, lose 4-0, and you said, there's no fight in this team, there's no hunger. So, Nkunku scoring the 19 minutes, six minutes later, I'm sure you were pleased just to see that we're quickly able to come back and at least not give up immediately and crumble. Yeah, and, and even in the lead-up to this goal, we had a few chances, we created some opportunities. Ben Chilwell was was running down that left wing, Um and you can see when he makes that run, it's almost like a, not to go back to the whole Chilwell and Mat- Matson thing, but it's almost like a discreet run that you you can yeah. see that he's slowly like walking up the pitch. And then in like a split second, he turns on the, the jets and he's running and, and going by you. So um, he created some havoc. I, I, I think at certain points, Malo Gusto ended up going forward yep. too and putting in a cross. So um, we almost took it upon ourselves to say we've, been a little sluggish we haven't been that team that uh, we expect and we pumped it up and got the goal which maybe a little bit of luck involved with it but mm-hmm. i'll take it yeah listen sometimes you need a little bit of luck but you make your own luck rahul brighton were very feisty in that game and i think we've kind of covered why they were feisty for the most part <laughs> with some of the transfer issues going on but i think i'm i'm proud to say that yes we didn't give up we didn't crumble you dialed us back two months ago and we concede a goal and you and i know that the game's over right so uh, definitely taking some positives from there. And for Nkunku, Rahul, we have not talked too much about him. I know I called him a young gun, but we are going to be looking to him as a, as a senior player at the ripe old age of 25. And two goals and two, again, preseason. But I think one thing that's important we've not really talked about is, even though this is preseason, I feel like these are the things that are going to build the confidence, not necessarily the fitness, but the confidence that, one, I can score a goal, and two, I can play with these teammates that I'm new to. Yeah, absolutely. And and you could see that teams or the, the younger players are looking at him as that experienced guy or as the guy that uh, can show them certain ways and things of, 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 of doing things. So, um, yes, he's young, he's new, but it helps that he's got two and two, two goals in two games. And... In this case, you can see that he's in the box. The ball falls to him, kind of like a poacher. He just hits it, yeah. and it goes in. And and then we've missed someone doing that. We've sure we need someone that can also score from outside the box, but we <laughs> we need someone that can just be there in moments where uh, we create a good opportunity. Carney takes a shot to his credit. He did well too, um, but 
and Kunku's there to kind of put the finishing touch on it, and and that's what was has been missing from from this yeah. Chelsea squad for a long time. Rahul, is he a nine or is he a ten? Where is Nkunku going to play long term? I think long term a ten, um, because there's a number nine or, or another person that's claiming his spot as a number nine. Um, but I, I and I really want to see uh, Nkunku and Jackson, who I'm alluding to, uh, play together. Which I believe is coming down the line if you if you uh, listen to Pochettino. But I, coming back to your original question, I I prefer Nkunku in the ten. I would agree with you. I think that there's going to be an interesting mix if Jackson and Kunku come together. But we'll hold that thought because I want to spend a few minutes on Jackson. That pretty much sums up the first half. There were a lot of changes. Rahul, we had the opportunity to see some of these players warm up. We could predict the changes, which was exciting. But I don't remember exactly in what order. But Chaloba comes on. Mudrik comes on. Marco Correa comes on. Cassade comes on. A little bit later in the game, uh, Gabriel comes on. Lewis, Hotel, Lewis Hall comes on. And Enzo Fernandez comes on as well. And, and Nicolo, Nicolas Jackson was in at that halftime as well. Uh, disappointing, like you mentioned, we didn't get to see him alongside Kukurea. Uh, sorry, alongside um, in Kunku in this case. I'm thinking of Kukurea for some reason. But disappointing, we didn't get to see them together. But a whole host of changes. And from there, the game seemed to change a little bit differently. Almost an air of speed, an air of pace, an air of excitement. And I think... I want to transition into the Jackson and Mudrick discussion. I think them too, Rahul, they found a wavelength, at least in this game, and it seemed like it could continue from there to make things happen. But 65 minutes in, Mudrick scores a beauty, but made by Jackson. Yeah, and, and that's we've spoken about his link-up play, but you can see that he's very well aware of what's going on around him. He's not always thinking about scoring which in some cases and i'm sure in a couple of months i'm going to be like he's not selfish enough <laughs> but uh in this case he's he wants to help his teammates he's not just saying give me the ball and i'm going to score which he did but he wants to say you know what mudrick give it to me i'll give it right back to you and you can take a shot and that helps you because you as a winger know i can use my striker as a reference point instead of just saying i need to feed him the ball so that he scores and that gave Mudrik such a, a boost because even for the rest of the game, you could see him feeling confident, wanting to take players on, using his speed. And we want that Mudrik. We want that yeah. Mudrik that we went out to Ukraine or went out to um, Eastern Europe and basically outbid Arsenal in the last minute <laughs> and brought him to London to be in a blue shirt. So um, I'm excited by Mudrik so far. There's a lot more to come, but yep. I'm even more excited by Jackson because this was a player that not many had heard about, you and I included, when yeah. the names came out first and we said, who? From where? <laughs> He's only played one season, and sure, he has goals, but... And that's the interesting part of just looking at stats, right? As you look at stats and you say, all right, 27 games, 12 goals, not bad, but we're Chelsea and we need someone that has 25 and 27 We've been we've been spoiled by by Erling Holland last season, but Jackson almost seems like this breath of fresh air that says, yeah. "I'll do whatever it takes. I'll help my teammates. I'll give them advice before or after scoring a goal, or even at the end of a game." And and I'm just excited to see Jackson. Even talking about when we see him coming out and doing the post match. Um, 
uh, interview, he's just humble guy. He's yeah. he's got he's got wired headsets, in. <laughs> and this is a player that is earning whatever he's earning, and and he could have easily changed that, right? And and I, I point that out, but it's just a small thing that shows you the kind of person he is. And even walking by us, he's looking at the rest of the media and just like waving and looks happy. And I really want that to continue. I just have this feeling about this guy. And again, I'm, I'm going off of two games in preseason, but I've just longed for a striker. And suddenly we have someone that seems promising, but there's a long way to go. But I really hope that this connection between the two turns into something that we we've been missing. It's difficult, my friend. It's very difficult to not get carried away because we had a rough season where we were yearning for somebody to do something, make something out of nothing. And in this case, it's not out of nothing. It's out of what I would call a footballing brain. It's one of those things where you see a guy, and I'm I'm specifically nailing down to the Mudrick and Jackson interconnection for Mudrick's goal. And I think the delicate touches, the awareness, the understanding of give it to me, but I know he's making a run, so I'm going to touch it to him again, and he's going to flick it back to me, and he's going to finish it off. It just shows that he's on a wavelength of understanding this is about winning. This is about bringing the other guys into the game. And don't worry, my time will come, and I will get a goal. And, of course, he gets a goal later on as well. But just the ability, and it was not once, not twice, Rahul. He did that 10, 15 times, bringing in the number 10, the left winger, the right winger, he would drop it down deep to Gallagher to get him into the mix as well and ultimately assist Gallagher as well. It's a little scrappy there, but it works out, right? And I think what I'm trying to say is it was a little Drogba-esque. And, I, and again, I, I said this in the beginning that we it's very easy to get carried away. I'm not. I say Drogba-esque because Drogba was very good at bringing in Frank Lampard. I know, maybe if we look up the stats, that Drogba was there for at least 20-30% of Frank Lampard's assists. He was giving him the ball every time, laying it off for him, bringing in the likes of Aaron Robb and Damian Duff in the early days. Later on, he would help Joe Cole. He would help Maluda. They just formed this relationship where they could play off of him. And we're yet to see Jackson maybe aerially. We've seen him so far playing with his feet on the ground, so I'm excited to see what that brings. And Rahul for Mudrik, you could see that goal took a lot of weight off of his chest. You could see when he scored, he celebrated like it was a Champions League goal. And I was like, <laughs> it's preseason. But listen, 65,000 people in the stadium were celebrating like it was a Champions League goal because a lot of weight on his shoulders as well. 80 million, come to do something, make it happen. Make this position your own. In fact, Raheem's pushed out to the right wing so Mudrik can continue playing on the left side. I think it's very important that these little things happen. It goes back to my initial statement. While it is preseason, I think these things are building confidence letting these guys know that they can play with each other after watching what happened last season. Okay, fair, we sold a lot of players, but the ones that are here now can play with each other. They can have a a connection to make goals and score goals. Ultimately, I talked about the Gallagher goal a little bit scrappy, but Rahul, for a quick second, Gallagher put in a a really heavy shift there from the the pivot, right? He did, and he's one that Pochettino is counting on, and I'm sure in the next segment we're gonna we're gonna say some something else. But you can see that he started the two games. He's one person that Pochettino is saying, "I know what you can do." And and speaking of pressing and being a nuisance and mm-hmm. winning the ball and and just being there in the midfield, Gallagher has been doing that in this preseason. He's been energetic, which we know. But he's also kind of 
held it back a little, which we've said last season was don't go full blooded all the time. <laughs> and and maybe Pochettino said that maybe he's not Gallagher might himself have have reviewed his season reviewed certain games, but he's looking good. He's looking like a player that is willing to fight for the team regardless of he's in he's in the eleven or if he's in the eighteen or if he's just in the twenty five. But we know what we can get out of him, and and that's something that we don't really have in the rest of the the midfield, even the squad. So. Um, I'm interested to see how the situation around him evolves, with especially with the news that we're going to touch on. But so far, I've been I've been impressed with them. Yeah, we'll touch on that in just a second. Last piece, you know, Jackson gets the final goal. There is a red card in between there, and so that's important to note that some of these goals, specifically the one with Jackson, comes comes after the red card, uh, as well as Conor Gallagher, and. They score a penalty in there. We talked a little bit about Levi Colwell learning to maybe compose himself preseason. We understand. And the 89 minute, a little bit nasty to see that third goal. Nasty is not the right word, but maybe it dampers the happiness of 4-3. And Mauricio Pochettino says that as well, too. They need to wor- worry about maybe keeping a little bit tighter in the back. I think someone could have done better, but I'm going to keep my comments to myself. <laughs> We'll keep this just as a, a little pin in, in the podcast because it will come up later. Rahul has a bone to pick with Kepa, and I think we'll do this as preseason goes on. We'll see how Kepa has performed. But if you have an issue with Kepa, you have some comments about Kepa, let us know. Share that with us and give us your feedback because we haven't talked too much about Kepa today. So we'll put a pin in it, Rahul, because I do want to talk a little more about uh, Connor Gallagher and transfers incoming. So you alluded to Pochettino maybe trusting Connor or training Connor to do a little bit more He's a pressing merchant, high energy, doing the business. I think he played maybe 85 minutes, Rahul, maybe 90 minutes, I think. If I'm not mistaken, he could have played the whole game. Towards the end, it all became a blur. But news out today that West Ham have bid $40 million for Connor, and Chelsea were potentially entertaining this, trying to raise funds to bring Michael Olise in from Crystal Palace. So... Pause on Alicia for a minute. You talked a little bit about Connor's positivity. What's your feeling in selling him? Are you going to take the forty million? It's a good amount of money for Connor Gallagher. It is a good amount of money, and I think we would have gotten a similar offer last season based off his loan spell from from Crystal Palace, if not a little bit more. But and again, I don't know about the finances at, at the club, but it seems like with all the sales and all the movements and everything that have happened last month. Is this one that's really required? I I don't know. It, if I look at the numbers, it's certainly not required. It's something that we is someone that we need to hold on to. But the club has always had a plan, and and maybe this feeds into a much bigger plan of bringing other players in or players that we're currently linked to, but maybe need to pay a little bit more. And Connor just seems to be that person that will provide the funds and and could move on. But it seems like he is part of Pochettino's plan. So I am a little concerned about the fact that. The club seemed to want to move him on, but is that something Pochettino wants? Because ultimately, we've not brought in a lot of faces or, or players mm-hmm. this summer specifically, and we're about three weeks away from the start of the Premier League. So we do need to speed things up. If we are going to let Connor go short, but we need to have a replacement, not just for him, but there's been a few people from our midfield that have gone that need to be replaced, including Connor if he goes. So... Um, 40 million isn't bad for him, but I'm almost looking at it like it's bad in the sense that if we lose him and we don't have a replacement, we're going into this first few games with players that we've 
we've been, he preys on this this preseason, but they've never played a Premier League game. I look at this slightly differently. I think money is hard for me to understand sometimes in this market where some players are going for 100 million, some are going for 10 million, some are going for 15. And there's a whole variety of factors of what makes up these numbers. Depends on the club, depends on the years, depends on the quality. Money aside, Rahul, I look at the starting 11 and I look at the bench and I look at academy products and I wonder what it is to truly be a Chelsea footballer. We've lost the likes of Mason Mount in recent times. We've lost the likes of Tamori. We've lost Tammy Abraham. We've lost Guehi. We've lost even the guy we saw for Brighton, Tariq Lamte, used to be an academy product. And it's lovely. All of this is financially helping Chelsea and it's all profit on top, right? But what does it mean for Chelsea? What does it send to the Chelsea Academy that we've heavily invested money in that you have a couple of good games or you have an average season and your profit for Chelsea? You don't really get to be a footballer for your boyhood club. We've talked a lot about the Mason Mount saga and issues there. But Rahul, the other day, Chaloba got to wear the armband and he put a post that was very beautiful, to me at least, was very beautiful of how it, how much it meant to him to captain his boyhood club. And I, and I can see it in the way Conor Gallagher plays. You mentioned that he needed to rein in his passionate excitement. I can't imagine what it's like to put on a shirt for a club that you've been with since you were six, seven, eight years old and want to do everything for them to win. And so for me, losing a player like that is kind of stripping some of that passion and DNA that we have talked about that we want at Chelsea Football Club. Ultimately, I think they're financial decisions that go above my head. But I think losing him from a passionate standpoint is going to be a poor decision from the club. And I think, honestly, <laughs> you talked about sending some midfielders on loan. If we send a couple of the young guns on loan and Connor is sold, we don't. Enzo's going to be looking left and right. I wonder if he's going to be playing alone in that pivot. And I, I know he's quality, Raul. We didn't even talk about him, but that's going to be tough to look at. So my opinion is he should stay. I'm not sure if this is the time to be cashing in on Connor, but... Seems like we're looking for money to sign Olise. Rahul, what can you tell me about this and your feelings on him? He's a good good young player. Um, I've always been impressed with him at Crystal Palace. He has the ability to, to be creative, uh, to score free kicks. I believe he scored against Manchester United last season. So he's 21 years old. He was at the Chelsea uh, Academy. So speaking of players that that we've kind of let go or, or moved on. He was there from 2009-2016, uh, moved on to Man City, then went to Reading, and ultimately then moved into a senior career at Reading and moved to Crystal Palace about two years ago. So um, he has Premier League experience. He's seemed like someone that's dangerous when we've come up against them, but also in general. Um, and one that honestly, not just Chelsea, but it seems like Man City are also interested in. So... Clearly, he has potential that clubs are identifying. I believe he has a release clause or his fee is set somewhere around $35 million, which isn't bad for a 21-year-old. But it just makes me wonder, sure, he's an option that could play on the wing but or even as a 10, but do we really need to be focusing on those positions when we're really light? And with if Gallagher goes, we're going to be extremely light like you just said, in that midfield area. So um, I'm open to the the Michael Olise move. I'm not against it, but I'm a little more concerned by the other positions in midfield. There's not much more I can add. I think you've covered it beautifully that 
you have an issue with our goalkeeper. I'm putting a pin in that for now, <laughs> and I think that's a spot you would love for us to invest in. We have Jackson, who's got us excited, but we might need another striker hold, maybe a, a, a one that's a little more established, but that remains to be seen. We definitely need a couple of names in midfield for sure. And so while I think it's a good opportunity, and like you said, 35 in this market seems to be a fair deal for somebody who's 21 and exciting, it seems to be going back to the trend of last season and, and January where we kind of flood the attacking midfielder slash winger position, and then we're just struggling to see who fits where, right? So a little confusing. I wonder if it's almost like he's available, this is a good buy, get him. But does that mean another one goes out on loan? I'm not sure how this will play out. We definitely need to be focusing on that defensive midfield or pivot position at this point in time for one, maybe two players. So I'll pass it back to you to wrap things up. But Rahul, I thought it was a fantastic experience and it was a fun time to be with you on our little road trip as we went through to watch Chelsea. Yeah, it, de- it definitely was. And um, you didn't even get to share your story from on our way home when you ran into, I put it in quotes, two Chelsea fans. <laughs> um, but we can we could share that maybe on a different episode. But yeah, look, it's it's preseason. Things are looking good so far. We are scoring goals, nine goals scored in two games. So I can't complain, I, but I guess I can because I'm not too pleased by the goals that we've conceded. Uh, but things will will take some time, and, and I am hoping even between now and the end of next month that we will have some new faces that come in and, and make this team even better. But in the absence of in the absence of that, players have stepped up, young players have stepped up, and and have made a case in certain in certain guys to say we sh- maybe they should be part of this twenty five man squad that we we go into next season. So uh, still three more games to go with Fulham this midweek. Uh, I beg your pardon, Newcastle this midweek, Fulham on the weekend, and Dortmund to wrap up this U.S. tour. So I'm sure we'll we'll get to see a lot more players. We didn't get to talk about Angelo, uh, Jackie on that right wing as well. So another one that maybe we can come back to in the next episode. But that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels on all podcast providers, Instagram, threads, and on Twitter, it's at Premier Chels. Uh, And we will be back with a new episode, but until then, stay safe and up the chels. Hey guys, the Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home, so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.